Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You never put a job ad out there and leave it and throw money at it and wait for clicks. You don't do that. You have to mine. You have to constantly be mining. So I think the biggest tip that I would give to anybody who's recruiting right now, be everywhere, but don't pay tons of money to be everywhere. Just simply be everywhere and then figure out ways to hyper engage with those platforms. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Monique Allen. Monique is the founder and creative director of the Garden Continuum. This is a landscape firm that focuses on landscape projects. Monique is also a published author, and she has dedicated her life and her career to creating an alternative approach on how we can improve our land, our lives, and our business. She has turned her business into a seven-figure business. Monique believes employers need to stop hunting and start attracting their perfect employees. In this episode, we talk about how to attract and attain your perfect employee, what it takes to build a great team, the importance of self-awareness for personal growth, and finally, why investing in yourself is the best investment you can make. Monique has learned some great lessons along the way of building her company, and she shares her wisdom freely in this episode. Let's start the show and talk with Monique. Hey, Monique, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm navigating the snow and very happy to talk to somebody who's not dealing with snow. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, it gets like 60 degrees here and I hide under the couch. So I can't even <laughs> imagine like you're actually going, you're being modest. You're saying snow. Like snow to me is like a few pellets that drop and you might see some white. You're in a blizzard or, or is we it already in a started? blizzard. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. It started. We've got, we. it's accumulating. It's blowing. It's yeah. It's going to be an all day thing. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, um, I hope you're staying warm. That's all I got to say. Yes. <laughs> so, hey, tell me a little bit about what you do professionally. I'm so excited to learn about you. Oh, thanks. I own a company called The Garden Continuum, which is a landscape design build firm. I've been in the landscaping industry for, gosh, three and a half decades. Long time. It's been a lifetime. And I'm also a business coach. So I specialize in working with trade businesses, really working with trade services owners, specifically in team building because that's my that's my niche 
and in compassionate business building, which, you know, for the trades is, you know, may seem like a little disconnect, but not at all, especially in this new market. I love plants. I love nature. And we do something called lifescaping. And I wrote a book called Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping, all about that method. Yeah. I was looking at your website. Your work is beautiful. I mean, the, the stuff you guys do just uh, is great. So you're in residential, you're in commercial, mm-hmm. got a pretty wide range of clients that you deal with. What is like, kind of take me through landscaping and just maybe you can even spill into trade services if you want to. What is it like running a landscaping business? Because in my world, like super competitive, yeah, you know, really high turnover of staff. Can we kind of talk about that? Like, how have you tackled that and what's it like in your world? Yeah, it's such a good question because, you know, trade services, that's one thing. Landscaping is sort of this subset right? because we don't, you know, we're not like electricians that need to have licensure or plumbers. And I know different, like California has a lot of licensing around irrigation and landscaping. Massachusetts, not so much. So it can be pretty cutthroat and competitive. And because I've been in it for three and a half decades, it has morphed. So when I started in the 80s, it was not popular. It was not sexy to call yourself a landscaper. Right. You know, you were a dirt worker and that was kind of embarrassing. And parents certainly weren't interested in their kids doing that. And we're still dealing with that hurdle right now, except HGTV, uh, Martha Stewart, this old house, you know, they have elevated landscape into this into this new realm where it's it's highly visible. And so every decade really has been a little different. Like for me, in the beginning, it was heavily freelance and get jobs where you can. And mobility was the most important. Flexibility was the most important. In the second decade, it really was more about growing some roots, pardon the pun, uh, anchoring a little <laughs> bit and trying to actually build, you know, build a company In the third decade, it was more about building a corporation that had real purpose and meaning, that had high uh, differentiation within the marketplace in order to deal with that competition. And I would say in the last six years or so, it's sort of been this, this transformation into really building something that's a legacy, looking at the industry and saying, what am I going to leave here? Like, How is this industry going to be better because I was in it? And so I think that that trajectory isn't that odd when you talk to people who have been in the industry for decades because it's changed so much. I think what's unique right now is that it's incredibly popular. I mean, you can't if you can't find work, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what you're doing because <laughs> there's work everywhere, everywhere, because right. everybody's gone back home. The big conundrum now is how in the world are we going to get this done? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So before I get to the staff, because I feel like the whole staffing, the experience you have and the things I've learned about you, you're just really creative and have some great, great ways of, of building a team, getting people engaged, getting them to stay. Mm-hmm. But before I go to that, that's my little teaser. Okay. <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about one challenge I often see in trade services and landscaping is when you're bidding on a project being able to track that project and actually get profit out of it. A lot of times I'll have clients come to me and they'll not be very profitable. And then I'll dig in and I'll be like, well, you know, let's go through your numbers on one project. Just let's look look what you did here. Big project. And when you start putting the numbers together, it's not even close. They're actually sometimes at a loss or very little profit. Do you have any secret sauce there in terms of how you bid on projects and how you maintain profitability on them? Yeah, I do. 
first off, for, for landscape companies, I have a lot, right? Because that's how <laughs> right. I do it. But, but when you think about trades, and I actually have a whole chapter in my book about this, it's the build it chapter, which people are always interested in the estimating trick or the estimating tip. And what I usually, the way I work with, with my team when I'm teaching them estimating or teaching them job tracking, because they have to actually track a job is that you have to work into the peripherals, right? So as trade experts, we're masters of our craft. We're really, really good at what we do. And when we're thinking about a job, we're thinking about the doing. So let's talk about building a patio. We're very clear on what it means to build a patio. And so we're hyper-focused on building the patio and very clear. Our clients, that's all they care about. And so they're really curious about like researching things like how much does it cost to build a patio? And they get like this square foot price. And so if you tell them it's 10,000, but they did their square foot price and it's coming up to 5,000, now you've got resistance. And that resistance creates a backpedaling in the contractor, right? So what I tell contractors is this is what you have to do. You have to think about everything using a hyper-awareness of everything that's in the peripheral. So that means from the actual creation aspect, which is, you know, there may be design, there may be planning, there may be schematics, all the way into mobilization and staging and travel and pickup and delivery. Now we've got our hyper-focused thing that we're all really good at and we love. And then we've got cleaning the job site, demobilization, destaging, washing your equipment, putting everything away, restocking. These are the unsexy things that we don't want to talk about. And these are the bleeds. These are the places where contractors bleed out because they they want to do something very easy, like we're going to plant 12 trees. Let's just take the cost of the tree times three. So why doesn't that work? Or I want to do a patio and I want to do it as a per square foot price. Why doesn't that work? And I go through that in my book to help to look at those peripherals. And it's those peripheral pieces that will, A, help you cover burden, which most people aren't looking at. Like, what does your labor actually cost you? What does it cost you to run your business? And then secondly, really looking at all of the heavy lifting that isn't actually building the patio and making sure you're quoting that. And then the third thing is absolutely positively weaving in profit. Like we actually have to have a line item for profit. And that I think interesting when we were talking before about connecting the the mind and the heart, what happens is it's not that our minds are against profit. It's that our hearts are because we think that somehow that's greedy or somehow that's a bad thing. And so the reminding is that money is energy and that I bring incredible positive energy to your space, whatever it is I'm doing there. And the positive energy you bring back is, yes, you cover my costs and you make me money and you make some profit so I can do that barbecue for my people so that they stick around. So that's my, that's my spiel on, on pricing. I love that. <laughs> that. That is a great way of looking at it. And something that really resonated with me that I see happen a lot is if you're doing 12 of something there's this inherent nature where you just look at one and extrapolate it out to 12. And that is like the biggest death kiss. I have an example that I'm not going to use it because I don't want, it's a client of mine recently, but they were doing a project and they took 12 and extrapolate, literally 12 and extrapolated it out. And it turned out to be kind of a nightmare. 
because each one was actually very independent. Even though in your mind, you kind of think it's easy to just look at each one being the same. It wasn't. There was a lot more involved with each one. Each one had its own variables, I guess is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. And so it was interesting to see you, to hear you say that. And the other thing I really loved, and in, will in segue us into talking about staff, is you talked about teaching your team how to write estimates. So that's pretty cool that you've delegated that from your business. Yeah, I think that a really another sort of difficulty that I find when businesses are really trying to scale when they're moving away from that mano a mano working, you know, owner in the field kind of working is um, because we're all wounded, terribly wounded from the revolving door employment problem. Yeah. There's this incredible fear that if I teach them, they'll take it when they leave. Right, right. And so there's a there's a keeping very close to the vest. And look at, I've suffered it. I mean, I've, I've taught people whole programs and then watch them go and open their own business. But you know, that's an itch that if somebody's going to scratch that entrepreneurial itch, there's no, there's nothing that you as an owner are ever going to be able to do about that. So I think as owners, we need to kind of step into a relatively uncomfortable initially space of generosity and understand that there's there's another amazing thing that happens beyond the fact that when you teach, then people can implement and apply within your own business. But when you really work a business with that level of generosity, you don't have somebody exit your business by the back door. They actually walk out looking straight in your eyes, out the front door, and that might be your best colleague. I've got coaching clients now who used to be my employees who left to start their own businesses and now they need me. That is awesome. So there's a beautiful reciprocity that can happen when we teach within our businesses. Yeah, I love that spirit. Let's talk a little bit more about just your your thought process on hiring people, how you overcome just the staffing shortage. I think you're you over 20 people right now, is that correct? Yes, yeah. yeah. That's pretty pretty large staff. I mean, that's a lot of lot of moving parts there. How have you built it up to that? How do you retain them? What's your style? I'd, I'd love to just get more into that. Yeah. It's evolved, you know. It's changed a lot. I I remember I was listening to one of your podcasts. It might have been your your the latest one since since this recording um, about I think it was like flexible business building. Tim, I can't yeah. something I can't remember or John, John or yeah, I can't, John Timmerman. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, Tim, yeah. I remember Tim, yeah. but I loved what he said about like blowing up your business to build your business. I thought that was really cool because in the Great Recession. I had to blow up my business to rebuild my business. It wasn't like I was going to do some gentle rebranding. And so I think one of the main things that I've embraced at this point is that you have to understand that like, just like with people in your lives, I don't know if you've ever heard the adage, people come into your lives for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Yes. And that you've got to, if you look at your employees that way too, and you sort of accept that truth at the beginning, then you can always look at every single person you're recruiting that way. Do, am I recruiting them for a reason? Are they going to be with me for a season or are they going to be with me for a lifetime? And what that does, it, it helps set your emotional expectations about how this is going to go. Um, so that's one, which is huge. The second for me is value alignment. It's enormous. So I have a, a very, very high health value. And so having a health value alignment means that somebody who's like personally beating themselves up health-wise is not going to be a good fit for my company because I'm going to feel out of alignment and they're going to feel out of alignment. So that's one of those things. It's kind of like a non-negotiable in my company. And, and that's not a judgment. It's just a personal value. And as the owner 
I have finally learned, and it took me the first two decades, I did not understand this. I was always trying to chameleon myself to what my employees wanted or needed or told me I had to do. And it was in that last decade, so the past like 15, 16 years, where I have been unapologetically deciding what my business is and what it's going to be, and then working to attract people that look at that and go, that's cool. I want that. Right. So that's the second one. And the third one really, I think is, I think understanding that it's not really about skill. I mean, it is about skill, especially in the trades. We're very worried. We're very interested in skill, but I think the hurdle there is a lot of times, especially if owners are the ones writing the job descriptions, they're writing these job descriptions that are for like these Hercules type superhero people that don't actually exist. And they're forgetting that people are actually very simple of mind when it comes to craft, that we like, we like singular. It doesn't mean we can't have more than one track, but it's really hard to get somebody who can estimate, sell, project manage, staff manage, build, do procurement. Like those are all different brains. So the third thing for me is I usually tell my owners, you really have to simplify. And I have found that when I've simplified with the idea that I'm bringing somebody on for now for this, let's see how you do. And we'll see what we can add onto that pile, right? And then that way, not only are you keeping the bar relatively low when you're first hiring, and I don't mean that in a negative, I just mean single track so that when they're drinking from a fire hose trying to learn your business, they can. And then as you see their aptitude go, hey, you know what I noticed? I think you would be great at this. What do you think? Now you can build. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And then as you see their aptitude go, Hey, you know what I noticed? I think you would be great at this. What do you think? Now you can build. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're doing is you're really being conscious about setting them up for success rather than just throwing them all kinds of stuff and then saying, oh, you're failing or, or they're feeling like they're failing. You're giving them steps to get there is what it sounds like, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. What have you done in terms of 
and this also could be in your client base, what are you doing? Because there is naturally a, right now a shortage of staff. There is a shortage of, of finding people. How are you overcoming that? Are you able to hire experienced people or do you generally start at a, at a lower level where you're building them up or what does that look like for you? So it, it changes year to year depending yeah. on what the market obviously looks like. And COVID clearly was a very interesting year. The 2020 year was very interesting for a whole host of reasons that I need not enumerate. But last year was kind of surprising, right? Like I think I was of the mind that, okay, COVID's behind us. We can do this. It's just, and what I saw in the marketplace was an amazing resistance to work and also a, a lot of fear. Like it's a, I call it a fear economy. And because we're dealing in a fear economy, there's, there's always like, what are you going to do to hurt me? And the, the recruiters are doing that and the, and the recruitees are doing that. And everybody's kind of got like, ah, I don't know what you're going to do to hurt me. And so I've been really trying to lean in with this idea of psychological safety, that it is actually the owner's responsibility to develop a psychologically safe environment. And what I think is psychologically safe may not be safe for you, but if I state it, you then have the ability to say that feels good to me or that doesn't feel good to me. So, you know, not to go into this too much, but like a mask is a great, it's a great like little indicator of that. So if somebody wants to wear a mask all the time and they have a, a place of business that says no masks here, you're going to have a misalignment in, in psychological safety. So it's a great like little visual example, but those things go, there's so many of them. So what I'm doing right now, honestly, is the same thing that probably all of your audience is doing. And that is, you know, I'm posting on Indeed, I'm posting on ZipRecruiter, I'm posting on Google. I'm, you know, like we're doing, we we all have to be doing that thing. Here's the difference though. Not only am I doing a lot of different things, so you can't be in one place. You've got to be in a lot of places. The other thing is to not, to not rely on money. So you're, I'm not relying on sponsored ads. I'm not relying on pay-per-click though I am using that, I'm also relying on internal engagement. So what I mean by that is you never put a job ad out there and leave it and throw money at it and wait for clicks. You don't do that. You have to mine. You have to constantly be mining. So I think the biggest tip that I would give to anybody who's recruiting right now, be everywhere, but don't pay tons of money to be everywhere. Just simply be everywhere. And then figure out ways to hyper engage with those platforms so you can you can do very free things very free can things be very free <laughs> you can do free free things like on Facebook and Instagram but you can also do ads if you're doing free things but then you're setting it and then you're walking away and people are commenting and you're never commenting back well you're asleep at the wheel so the key really is cross engagement and i will tell you that the biggest feedback that I'm getting right now, because we just launched our recruiting for this year, the biggest response thing that I'm getting right now from people is, I can't believe you got back to me so fast. I've applied to 20 jobs and you're the only one who got back to me. So there's this fear thing that's going on, which is amplified. It's always been an issue in the trades, right? Trades are always kind of, you never call me back kind of thing. So that's kind of a, it's a status quo opportunity modus operandi in contracting. So the biggest thing that anybody can do that's recruiting right now is be hyper-engaged. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Now, I know one thing I read about you, you're really big on connecting the dots. And I'm kind of hearing that 
in our conversation, like you're aligning, aligning, you know, making sure things are connecting. Is that a philosophy of yours? Is it conscious? It seems it's really intuitive and it's really, uh, it's deep to me and how you, I'm sure you set yourself up for a lot more success because you're lining things right. You're giving thought to it. Is that, is that something you developed over the years? Is that a conscious thing? I'm curious. I think it's a developed natural genius. Like it's, you know, when you sort of think about the things that like you, you do naturally, Yeah. Um, I'm a synthesizer by nature. So I am someone who I can learn absolutely anywhere, but I don't compartmentalize things. I actually, I'm constantly synthesizing things and bringing them together to create holes under holes with a, with a W to, to just like, I look at everything kind of in this spherical 360. It's really moving. I say that, you know, my, my gift is to be able to see the divine order and chaos. And in the trades businesses, we operate in chaos. A lot of times we're brought in when things are broken. So we've got to fix stuff. We have to be diagnostic. We have to be forensic. We've got to figure out the path through. And we're all oftentimes doing that with like kind of like this client, like squinty eye, like what are they doing and how much are they going to charge me? So what I've really gotten good at doing, and I do believe that anybody can develop this, I really do, is sort of this open curiosity, this non-judgmental, like if I sit on the other side of a recruiting table and the way I'm thinking is, what are they going to do to me? When are they going to quit? How are they lying to me? How are they going to, you know, and then the recruitee is also thinking the same way. Then we enter into our agreement, not fully authentic. Instead, if we say, look, and I know this is uncomfortable, so let's see if we can make this as comfortable as possible. I would love this to be a great job for you, and I'm sure you'd love it to be a great job for you. But what I'd like to do is just figure out how we peel off the layers and just get comfortable here talking to each other like human beings. When we can drill down to our sameness, we spend less time trying to differentiate the dots, and instead we're connecting them. How am I the same as you? Because that's where we're going to be brilliant together, as opposed to trying to figure out how you're different than me. Yeah, that's good stuff. Now, another thing, communication, I know, is really big with you within your team and within your staff. How do you find that balance between being very open with your team and then maybe there's some things that you can't always share? How do you deal with that? You're laughing, so I think this is resonating. I'm, yeah, I'm laughing because, you know, I'm a just, you know, you wear it all. Like, <laughs> like I'm not good. But I have had to learn. I actually, I really ha- have had to learn temperance. I'm Armenian. My father was an immigrant. So I, I really have sort of that immigrant mind. I have that immigrant narrative inside me. And I can be judgmental and I can be very exacting. And so I've had to learn temperance. I think that's, for me, it's been it's been my journey is to like how to, how to manage the anger response and how to manage, you know, when I, when I don't even realize that I'm being sharp, I tend to, I have a very sharp way of delivering information. So temperance is one. It's like learning how to temper. I think leaning in while also being very willing to take a breath so that you don't react and you respond instead. And then the third thing for me is reciprocity. So understanding that everything we do has to cycle around. We, ha- we have to have sort of this reciprocity in our communication, which means if I ask you to do something, it's really important for you to catch my eyes and my, me to catch your eyes so that we know that we've connected. And then there really should be, instead of an implied, I'm just going to do it, there should be more of an explicit, 
Hey, will you just, um, will you just pay me when that's done just so I can forget about it. As opposed to, I'm not, that's not micromanaging. That's just calm me. Make, let me take that off my list. And so learning that kind of language, like my team, we do a lot of work around language where somebody's bumming you out. We're able to say, Hey, look at, do you have like five minutes for me after work? I just, I need to have a little rumble with you. Um, it's all good. I just, I got to get this off my chest. Do you have time for me? And the nice thing about that is now that person is set up, they know they, you want to have a rumble and the rumble isn't a fight. The rumble is just, I got it. I got it. Like something rubbed me the wrong way. And I actually love you enough. And we use the word love in our business. I love you enough to respect you to say that I want to have a communication with you about how something you said kind of like hurt me. It's amazing. It just works. That open dialogue and just getting it off your getting it off your chest essentially and just having clarity with each other. It probably creates real, real good bonds within your team too, because and within the people they're interacting with, because there's this real openness of communication where everybody's at. And I imagine the byproduct is people stay a lot longer too. Yeah. And I, I want to just make sure that I'm I'm not sounding like we're all like woo-woo right. and having a love in, right? There are some people that like I cannot talk to unless I go to my regulator first. So everybody will have a regulator person and it's real or people. It's really important. There's this really great exercise, you know, like this four square, like who are the four people that you go to, to regulate you? And you might have some people that regulate your anger. You have some people that regulate your sadness. They, you know, so who are your regulators? And so I have specific regulators within my life that I go to and they're filters. They're people that I can go to and like throw a clipboard because I'm so mad <laughs> and they'll just receive it. They know I'm not mad at them. They just know I'm mad. And then they, they help me and they say, okay, so I hear what you're saying. You can't say that to them, but what would be another way that you could express to them that frustration? And so I think we've got to understand that we're like seriously imperfect. And sometimes you really do want to haul off and punch somebody, but it's not very productive. So how do you get the help you need in the community that you have? And that's going to take your identifying that person and then asking that person for permission to be that person for you. Yeah. I love that. Now I want to segue. You're you're also a business coach in addition to a business owner, a landscape business Mm -hmm. owner. Let's talk about your business coaching a little bit, because I imagine you're the regulator for a lot of your clients. Yes. (laughs) What does that look like? Like, how do you help them? Can we talk, spend a few minutes just talking about that? I'd love to know more. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I definitely am. Like I've learned so much through my own, you know, I'm somebody who came up in trauma. So I grew up with with trauma, with some abuse in my family. So I had to do a lot of personal work to understand trauma response. One of the reasons why this industry is so great for me is because when you put your hands in the soil and you move into nature, nature is an enormous regulator. That's why nature, landscape, draws a lot of people who have trauma responses. They just they just do. So it's something that I'm really familiar with and I've done a lot of personal work with, which makes me good in the coaching environment. Mostly what I'm doing with people is helping them to figure out how to look in the mirror so that they can have some self-awareness about how they are reacting and how if they took a breath and took a step back, they might be able to respond. And what happens is when you respond over react, you actually bring your full intelligence. And when you're reacting, unfortunately, you don't. You're bringing your fight or flight. You're not, you know how we talked about earlier about the brain part's easy, but the heart part's hard. Right. Well, unfortunately, when we're reacting, we're totally reacting with the whole heart part. <laughs> right. And we're disconnected. 
So as a coach, I really help people to um, take a step into self-awareness. And a huge part of what I'm doing is I'm helping people to move to a place where they can have permission. And initially it's like, I'm giving them the permission because we're all, we're all like trained from children to ask for permission. My goal is to really help that evolution within the owner so that they learn how to give themselves permission. They, they develop agency, they develop full sovereign embodiment of ownership. And what happens is they really, they start to become really shiny, really beautiful And, you know, it's a process that doesn't happen overnight, but it's really interesting when people let me go on that journey with them, because ultimately we have amazing ability to regulate ourselves, but it, that happens over time. Yeah. And we were talking uh, before we started the show, we were talking about, there's a lot of really beautiful people in trade services. And sometimes part of your role is getting that beauty out and helping them to recognize it and connecting that heart in the head. So I I can only imagine you must have just a giant impact on the people you work with. Before I wrap up, I have a few, just a couple questions, a couple of things I want to wrap up with. One is I always love to end with either a business tip or life tip that you can share with us uh, that we can apply and hopefully it'll make us better. Do you got anything off the top of your head? Yeah, you know, I think I think probably the the main tip that I would give is that if you're struggling at all, I mean we all struggle. So sure, I mean sure. struggle is part of being human. But if you're on a merry-go-round, if you feel like like for landscapers, every spring it's the same story. If if you're on that merry-go-round in your life, the only way to get off is to give yourself permission to get off, which means you need to make a decision to invest in yourself. And the investment that you make in yourself is not selfish. When somebody works with you, Tyler, and they say that they are ready to work on their business, they are making an investment in themselves so that they can turn that investment around into their business. You're helping them work on their business so that they stop stop neglecting it. And so I really think that's the biggest. Every owner needs to get to a place where they give themselves permission to do something uncomfortable. Because you know, the minute you get off the merry-go-round, the first thing you want to do is hurl, right? right? The first (laughs) thing you want to do is throw up when you get off the merry-go-round. So it's easier to stay on the merry-go-round because we know that, right? But when you get off, you immediately feel nauseous. The whole, all the world feels like it's moving under your feet. That's the first step. Do that because the world opens after that. I love that. Give yourself permission. Yeah. That's powerful. So in terms of uh, where you'd like the audience to go, and I'll put this in the uh, show notes, can you give us a couple web links or spots where you'd love people to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my happy place as a business coach is Instagram. It's Monique.Allen. Very easy. easy. I do. It's called Lifescape TV. My, My whole method is lifescaping, whether we're lifescaping a piece of land, our business, whatever. So Instagram is my happy place there. I also am on Instagram with my company, The Garden Continuum. And the great thing is both of those Instagram accounts, if you click the link in bio and you go up, you can get to everything. Podcasts, free newsletter, free eBooks, classes that I've, I just did a great class on. It's called Stop Hunting, Start Attracting Your Perfect Fit Employee. It's it's just like, it's a mini micro cost, like 20 bucks. You just take the class. It's great. So like, I really believe in open source learning. So very, very low cost or free. And so that would be the place to go. And then of course, there's my website, thegardencontinuum.com. 
I love it. I will definitely support you. I'll check that out and I'll put everything in the show notes. Thanks for our conversation today. I hope you can come on again. Maybe you're in my first 30s. So hopefully when I hit 100, I can have you around again and and we can have an updated conversation. Does that sound good? It sounds fabulous. I would love that. I would love that. Thanks. Awesome. Well, stay warm. I hope that I'll stay with your power on. Hopefully my, my thoughts and positive thoughts are coming to you. You get to keep your power and uh, take care. I'll be talking to you soon. Okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.